Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast focusing in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. We're excited to have you joining us today, and we are an international podcast. We've uh, got downloads and subscribers all over the world, and I think we're up to 39 different countries right now. So wherever you're joining us, we'd like to welcome you to the Teamwork Advantage. Uh, in addition, please make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on, go in, like us, subscribe to us, uh, give us feedback. We'd like to grow, and we want to grow organically. So the more you can share, the more you can do, the better it helps all of us start to grow with free information about teamwork, leadership, and culture, or what I call the TLC of business. Also keep in mind, business does not necessarily mean for-profit business, not-for-profit, government agencies, your families are all part of great teamwork. Once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas that you can use, and that's what we're all about today. We're privileged to join us today, Tim Chakar, born in Istanbul, raised and lived all over the world. But Tim is a growth consultant who helps companies, entrepreneurs, as well as students achieve fast and what I consider more important, consistent growth. He's worked the last few years in restructuring multiple companies to optimize day-to-day -day processes, build stronger teams, and encourage growth from within. And that growth from within in today's market, we're going to talk about this, is critical because at least here in the United States, there's the great resignation. So we're going to talk about maybe some of that applying throughout the world. He's also focused on completing projects like implementation of OKRs, building company dashboards, rebranding, as well as product launches. In addition to that, his passion for helping people bring potential and bring their ideas uh, to life it means more. And he helps teach a lot as well. He teaches bachelor's and master's programs at two universities in Barcelona. During his uh, spare time, you can find him sailing, although he's not been to Annapolis yet. Watching F1 competition is another one of his things and growing veggies in his garden. A and Tim, I, I got to say, I didn't see this one coming. Hi, Greg. Uh, You're a so DJ much. too? Yep, that's correct. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we go fun. from sailing to F1 competitions to building teams to being a DJ. Tim Chakar, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you, Greg. Hello, everybody. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks again for welcoming me so nicely and um, introducing me. Yeah, thank you. Not a problem. This is exciting. One of the things I love about working with this podcast is the privilege to meet so many people. And you and I have not met before, uh, but I can see that we have a lot in common. So tell us a little bit about how you got started, you know, your, your jobs, how you got into where you are today, helping companies build consistent and fast growth. That, that's, that's, a, that's a big one today. Well, yeah, absolutely. As, as you mentioned, I love a lot of things. Why? Because I think my mind when I was younger, they, they called me uh, hyperactive, ADHD and so on. But what I realized is that I just had to learn more and do stuff. And, uh, and I started when I was very young, about 18, I, uh, I got my first proper job, let's say. Uh, and I started selling carpets, which was uh, carpets door to door sales in California. And I was lucky to actually uh, tour the US a couple of times with a truck a couple other friends and were selling uh, carpets uh, for houses. And um, that was a very interesting experience because I was young um, and we were in a truck 
uh, traveling around. And to be honest with you, it's I didn't feel as good uh, about the job because uh, I was very money focused. And uh, back then, you know, I would sell a cup, a hundred dollar cup for eleven thousand dollars. It's crazy profits. Um, and I then I realized that that's not what I wanted to do in life. So uh, I learned about marketing and it was more finding the people who needs the product uh, or find the people who has a problem, right? And bringing them a solution. And that's how I switched from sales to marketing. And that really changed a lot my uh, concept of business, of taking care of one another and, and not selling things to people who doesn't need it, if that makes sense. Hey, oh, no, absolutely. Um, one of my colleagues is and friends is a gentleman named Jeffrey Gettimer. And Jeffrey's always used a great quote. He says, people love to buy, but no one wants to be sold. So, <laughs> that's that's correct. That's just great. And that's exactly what you came to the realization of. Yeah. Awesome. So how did, where did you go after carpet? And uh, you, once you got into marketing, what did you do? Well, you yeah, that, that brought me to London, to the UK. Uh, and then I really got into marketing. Uh, to get into marketing, what I've done is I helped uh, old school publishing companies, so more magazine and print publishing companies, and help them digitalize their, their, their offering. Um, and there I learned a lot about digital. So not just the pure marketing, but more about digital marketing applications, uh, interactive applications and so on. Um, and I very quickly got into the tech world. Um, and that a few years later brought me to Barcelona um, to be more with technology startups. And I was very lucky that I also went to really high, uh, high tech companies like um, big data companies, AI companies, computer vision companies and so on. And that really started to feed this ADHD that I have because I had to learn so many new topics. I had to, I remember I was working plus I was coming home and learning coding and so on so just, just so that I can speak to my teams. You know, being able to communicate and drive that home is amazing. So once you started getting into that, what what came next? Well, then then what I realized is I was doing a lot of full time jobs and I realized there was many, many other companies that, that might need my help, my support. So I called myself a growth hacker at first because that was a trend, right? <laughs> Everybody wanted to be a growth hacker. Um, a growth hacker. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So why don't you explain what that is? Because uh, I'm not sure I've ever heard that term. Okay, wow. All right. Yeah, in, in Europe, and um, I think also in, in Silicon Valley, growth hacker, growth hacking became a very like big trend. What does it mean is basically finding new ways to market or finding new ways to do things or scraping uh, the internet, finding more leads. And um, it's a bit it sounded really bad. The hacker side of things sounded bad. So a few years later, people realized that because it wasn't sustainable. Right. It was basically yeah, hacking your way into things and, and nothing consistent, nothing sustainable. Um, so very quickly, we changed our, our way of saying this, first of all, and then we um, or myself, I've, I've evolved into more being a growth consultant where I would uh, mix a combination okay. of sales, product and marketing instead of just hacking my way through growth. Right. Now, kitchen hack, I know, because that's little shortcuts that you develop. But yeah. the growth hacking I had not heard of, and it makes sense about that, because all of a sudden, when we're talking technology and hacking, that's not exactly a friendly combination. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so now I have the growth strategist, it makes more sense. Yeah, growth strategies, growth consultant, um, you know, so some call it, uh, you know, growth advisory. It's basically being able to combine the different departments because we've done this silo departments are very siloed. And if you start bringing that intelligence together, that's where I think growth starts happening, Greg. Absolutely. You know, um, Napoleon Hill said, um, when you bring two or more great minds together, you form a mastermind. And that's exactly what you start to pull together with all this. Correct. 
So let's let's kind of get into it a little bit today. Tell us a little bit of what you're doing today. Well, today I help uh, startups still, um, and I teach, as you mentioned. So so I teach a lot of marketing, uh, online growth, and, and those kind of topics. A bit of leadership as well, uh, leadership for business and management uh, in the master's program. I really enjoy that. Uh, but that's about 25% of my time. 75% uh, of my time, it'll be really working on uh, my clients and my own brand. Right. So, so what does that mean? So I have a newsletter. I send out every Monday a newsletter um, just to share what I learned last week. Uh, I share I share some personal learnings as well, not just professional. I'm trying to help wherever I can. Um, and my clients, they will um, they will be usually in high tech companies. Uh, they could be real estate portals, uh, anything that is on the Internet, anything that is uh, kind of growing, but uh, they haven't found that sustainable uh, fast growth yet. Um, and usually it's teams of 15 to 50 people. That's where I, I really can uh, help and support. You know, one of the things that it was in your bio that I noticed was helping people grow. And when you're just talking about that now, it kind of resonated back. Um, there's a company in the United States called Southwest Airlines. Okay. Yeah. And they are one of the most consistent growing companies. So how do you, I guess the question I'm trying to look at here is when you're working with a company, people want to grow and they want to grow fast. Am I right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. How do you pull that back, pull those strains back a little bit? What are ways that people can understand the power of consistent growth? Mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines grew at one to 3%. They opened the same number of airports. It opened up their uh, centers and put airlines into the same number of airports every year whether it was a good year or a horrible year. They, they didn't go bigger. They didn't go smaller. They just did the consistency part. And I think that was really strong for them. So what, how do you work with people like that? It's consistent, maybe, but is it sustainable? That's something that I guess we're going to see. Um, but um, to be able to work with this type of companies, uh, you're talking about a very big company, to be honest. Uh, but it's, it's really finding the processes, finding the processes that are repeatable, uh, being able to experiment on processes and then really document it in a clear, neat way and making sure that your whole team is aware of. A lot of companies, I think, forget yeah. about the training part, right? And uh, and I love this saying, it was a CEO, a CEO and CFO talking and the CFO said, I don't want to put this much money, this much budget on training these team members. What if they leave? And I love what the CEO says, what if they stay? What if you, you know? don't train them and they stay? Exactly. exactly. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that every company needs to really focus on training their team, making sure that each and every team member is growing because that that will grow the company. Right. So what are some ways? Training is one key element. There's no doubt. And by the way, that, that analogy is one of the ones I believe in wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Some of the top companies that I've worked with have all said the same thing, that they get into their training uh, mindset of um, when business is slower, because when it's slower, they can afford to do the more training to try and ramp them up to keep them focused. Most organizations make more mistakes when they're going slow anyway. So because they're starting to think, so now do the training, it starts to build that momentum up. But my question is to you now, what are ways, and I'm gonna tie two questions kind of together here. The CEO, the CFO, the C-suite all does their strategic five-year plan. They always do that. Most departments don't do that. And I understand that they don't really get it in some cases. But my question is, 
how can companies and leaders get all team members to contribute? How can we get people to realize the importance of a five-year plan, a strategic goal plan? And then how do we get them involved? How do we get them engaged to be part of that? It's it's of course much easier when you're you're a smaller team, right? Because you can actually absolutely have together. But well, when you're back to the old analogy, if we can go to your sailing vessels concepts, it's a lot easier to turn a little twenty five foot sailboat than it is a seventy five foot sailboat. <laughs> absolutely, you're gonna have a few <laughs> team members there as well that you have to make sure that they're doing the right moves at the right time, right? Great. So so what I mean here, the example of Southwest Airlines. It's a bit more difficult, but we have technology today to be able to do this. We have platforms that can be your 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 workspace, right? Could be the central of your workspace. When you log in, you can know the mission, vision, values of the company every day. You can make sure that that's engraved. You can have a training platform. Um, we have so many, so many softwares and platforms to be able even thousands of people being in one place, right? And we especially learned this with the, the pandemic that happened, right? That uh, companies that thought they could never work remotely, they did fine and a lot of companies grew. So what I mean here is if you take these um, how these platforms and, and this culture from the get-go, from, from, from the early ages of your company, um, then, of course, it's going to be much more sustainable. But when you're a bigger company, it's going to be difficult to, to switch to that mindset, but it's still very possible. And, and here, technology will play. And as I mentioned, there is even so many other uh, process-driven uh, platforms that will teach you the process from A to Z. Uh, they will time the process. They will help you even optimize that process, right? But um, you also kind of asked, I think, this about the goal setting and how how to bring in everybody. Um, why don't we just ask everybody? If you have a five-year plan as a CEO, as an executive, why don't you just ask your team members? Hey guys, how can we get there? Does anybody have an idea, right? Things that will come to the table are are impressive, right? Because so, the team members are the ones that are there in the trenches fighting every day. Not, I mean, not fighting, but doing their, their best they can, right? <laughs> so so they have a, a better idea possibly that, than yourself as an executive because you've lost that touch from from, from the foundation. It's normal because you're, you're an executive, you're hiring people and you hire people to do the jobs that you should not do anymore. So you can focus on bigger things, right? But you have to come, in, come back down and you have to check what's going on. And the best way to do that is just to ask the question. Hey guys, how do we get there? Is there any issues? Is there any problem? Is there any challenges that I can help you with or that, that other team members can help you with? And, and, you know, today, you've mentioned it a couple of times this morning already, is uh, today when we start to look at people and technology, there's more technology today and it's constantly evolving. So, there's no way that any one person can stay on top of everything. It's just impossible. Would you agree to that? That's correct. And this is why there's even technology to centralize technologies now. <laughs> right. And so finding people, it's, it's very probable that someone new coming in may have a better way of doing things because they have a fresh perspective. And it's not because they say, well, in my last job, we did it this way. It's not that anymore. It's the fact that they may have better ways of doing things because they may have seen another piece of technology. Mm -hmm. So with that, and with your technology background, I want to ask the question, how is the best way for a, a manager, a division head, a, a CEO, whatever that's researching things, is there a way to research technology and check out what works for you? Because it could be two very similar companies looking for the same type of product to do the same thing for an OKR. But yet, next thing you know, there's 30 different possibilities. 
Mm-hmm. How is there a way that you've got that, that can help people research that? Yeah, I mean, there is a, there's different platforms like Product Hunt, BetaList. There's many websites that will have the latest products. A lot of people will talk about it. There's like forums. Uh, so I try to read a lot there, uh, try to understand new products. And if there's a demo or a trial, I always do it. You know, even if I don't need that product today, because maybe in the longer term, I will need that. So that next year when I need a bigger CRM, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what we could use because I've seen a couple of demos from these companies. We were not ready for that yet. But right, uh, right. my tool addiction, I will call it an addiction. Um, <laughs> it, it was a problem because I used to buy a lot of lifetime um, access licenses. And, and my wife said, hey, you can't keep spending money on just products that you're not going to use. But I was like but one day I can use it. And then I, I'd have clients be like, hey, we want to use this. I'm like, don't worry, I have a license for that, right? And that really helped me. So so what I recommend really, it's to be curious, right? Uh, technology is huge. Uh, the internet has gone bigger and bigger and bigger thanks to COVID even even bigger now because uh, we put all our normal lives as well into, into the internet. Um, mm-hmm. Just be curious, don't be afraid. Um, you know, and just keep reading. And uh, there is a lot of shit content, I'm sorry, uh, but there is some really good content out there as well. And if you find what works for you, a blog, a site, a forum, you know, be there, ask questions. People now more than ever love to help each other. And so if you do have a product problem and you, or you have a problem, you don't even know if a product is going to solve it. Just mm-hmm. ask around because maybe I'll be I'll be there and I'll just answer to you and I'll, and I'll give you a couple of options. Okay. And that's, you know, understanding that the challenge, I can see where the addiction part would come in because there's so much and you want to read 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 and you want to read. Next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning and you've got a meeting at eight. (laughs) And that happens. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned about asking for help and I get that. That's, That's so powerful. One of the things I talk about in teamwork is often people want to help but we're often afraid to ask for help. So the CEO going down, that shows a little vulnerability and that's okay. My question is, what if you have people who sit there like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I've done this before, mm-mm, and they don't want to. What are some ways that we can kind of, I don't want to say pull them out of their shell, but are there things that we can do from a leader standpoint that can engage people a little bit more to want to provide help and get engaged with the uh, strategic plan? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely ways it's involving these people more in in ideation sessions, brainstorming, checking out their creativity. Maybe they are very creative, but they're more introverted. Maybe they're shy or maybe, as you said, you know, they're, they're, they've seen it before. They've done a mistake before and they don't want to do it again. Um, so another way to do this, actually, I, I love I saw this in a company and, I, and I've been promoting that now. It's have the failure of the month, have a poster of the failure of the month and you celebrate the fail, the failing and the failure of the month. OK, let, let's, let's say that again. I, I, the, the, this is new. I love this. Okay. <laughs> Celebrate the failure of the month. Yep. Yeah. Get a bottle of champagne and the company in your department. Celebrate that because that means that somebody tested something new. It goes back to saying you show me someone who has never, tr- never failed. I'll show you someone who's never tried. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, you know, absolutely. So celebrate the failure. I think that's absolutely amazing. What did you do that screwed up? Well, because those people have to be celebrated. That means that, you know, they come with a new idea. They try something new. And if you do that, the other people that had a great idea, but they were shy about saying it, they'd be like, you know what? I have an idea. Let me put it on the table. Let's test it. Yeah, we have to keep experimenting. That's how we got here today. Right. Well, Thomas Edison was always uh, 
one who said, when, you know, Thomas, how do you feel? You just failed at another way to invent the light bulb. He says, I didn't fail. I just found another way it wouldn't work. That's incredible. And so, wow. Uh, celebrate the failures. Um, that, that, that's going to be the title of this podcast, I think, right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more now. Uh, workplaces are changing. There's no doubt. Whether... Uh, and it's changing around the world. So let me ask you this question before we get to that. Are you noticing a change? Because you're obviously connected throughout uh, the Europe market, as well as I'm sure the United States. And I'm hoping that you've got also connections in other parts of the world. My question is, are there certain areas that are doing certain things better than others, worse than others? Are we struggling? Where, where are the changes coming? Are we going back to work? Are we working remotely? Are we working hybrid? Where do we stand with a lot of that? This is, that's a great question. Yeah, and, and I do I do follow quite the trends all around the world. Um, I mean, the thing that is happening, I think every every kind of region is doing things differently, some better, some some worse. I think the US, you guys are very, very incredible at, at work ethics, you know, working the extra hours and so on, which is great, but you're definitely missing. <laughs> it gets us in trouble sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think you're missing a little bit the what in Europe that we have a bit more of the family first kind of vibe, right? <laughs> and, and and I'm going to say an example, because uh, I've been saying this in a couple of podcasts, and I'd love to share it here if that's okay. It's, um, it's the American um, out of office email uh, and the European out of office email. The American mm -hmm. one says, um, you know, reach reach me on my phone if it's an emergency. I'm going for kidney surgery, right? And <laughs> and the European one says, I'm I'm two weeks off on camping with my family. Do not bother, you know, I'll be back. Do not disturb me, right? And, and that is different cultures. Um, so coming back to work, getting back to your question, uh, it's going to be very different for for different areas. But the companies that are going to win are the companies who will do the hybrid system, right? So so you'll have some kind of office space, right? Uh, and the office space doesn't have to be desks. It has to be, I think, meeting rooms, right? Creative rooms where people get, can get together still, meet each other, brainstorm, do things together. But they don't have to be stuck in that office. But if they do want one day a week, they want some space, you should be providing that space. Also, the companies who are actually allowing instead a... Um, a co-work space budget, right? Okay, uh, Greg, wherever you're living, here's a couple of co-works uh, that we work with, right? Um, here's your budget. Here's a desk for you if you want to, right? Um, and saying that every year we have two retreats, right? Where all the company comes together, we meet each other and so on. I think these are the companies that are going to do really well. And we're seeing very different approaches. Everybody's testing. Uh, the pandemic was something, I mean, we've had this before, but but not in our technology internet world where everything was shut for, for, for that long, right? Um, so everybody's testing something new. I've heard so many different systems, the hybrid system. I've heard people coming back to work. I've heard people uh, closing their offices and saying, we're never gonna have an office again. Um, I think it's too early to, to, stay, to say what's gonna work, but I think right now, the best to do is, is to get a hybrid approach. And a hybrid approach can take on different different looks. Yeah, there could be one where you know you've got A team and B team. You've got others where they work during the week different ways. Some are always going to be remote. Some are always going to be in. And there's going to be others that go back and forth. What are you noticing? Are there any trends that you're starting to notice? Well, yeah, in the trends of this, the the, the problem that is happening actually, there is a problem in the trend is that it's 
the culture of the companies are starting to break. If you had a great culture and you were a little startup or a tech company that everybody came to the office, you know, you had your your classical, um, you know, uh, cafeteria area and so on. So that's starting to to become a little bit of a problem. Um, but I think that a better trend that I see on that is that people actually now they're not spending the Zoom meeting just to have a meeting. They spend it for also asking how you are. How are you, Greg? Right. How, <laughs> what, how was your weekend? You know, or a little activity, right, of, of, of trying to see how, how everybody's feeling about this, right? So, so I think that um, those things are super important and, and I do see this trend happening. Uh, but again, it's, it's very early. A lot of companies are, are trying different things. Um, but, you know, let's not forget that we have to keep that time for that personal connection because business is business, right? But if we don't know each other, we're not going to do the same best business. We have to know each other. Right. right. You get to know each other. We have to take a bit of a time to say, how are you feeling? How was yeah. your weekend? How's your kids? Right. These are right. things that we should start sharing more and more. And it's interesting you're bringing that up because I've recently been talking about that, that almost exact thought process is. Prior to the pandemic, we had a lot of uh, water cooler comments, connecting in the cafeteria, passing people in the hallways. And you would have those 30 second comments and conversations when the pandemic hit all of a sudden we don't have that and we're missing that and so the connectivity between people is interesting uh, i've got a few clients that right now some of their folks have never set foot in the office they have never met another colleague face to face they had their laptops shipped right to their homes so we've got to make sure that we're starting to know each other on a personal basis because that connectivity is going to start to cause challenges if we don't have, and I'm going to use the word human connection and a human connection can be made over technology. Am I, am I on the right boat there with you? It can be made. It's not going to be the same quality maybe, but it can be made definitely. Right. It can be made, but there has to be the effort to make it whether yep. we're doing activities or whatever it happens to be and don't do the same thing all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and introduce these new people. I've heard the same stories, Greg. I've heard so many of my friends who've got new jobs during the pandemic. They're like, I haven't even been to the office. I haven't met anyone, anyone yet. Just my manager on a zoom call. Okay. Do our whole all hands. Your all hands is not about just the numbers of the revenue because that you can find it on a dashboard. A lot of CEOs make this mistake. They're like, Oh, my all hands is about, my sales team is sharing uh, how much money we made and the marketing, how many leads they made. No, that's accessible on a dashboard, right? And that, that those are numbers. That's great. But we can find those numbers. It can be shared on dashboards. It can be shared on our, on our communication channels. But if we're jumping on a call, especially all hands, please introduce me all the new team members. Let them speak. Let them say a couple of funny things about them or things that they like that they don't like. That starts making more human connections. Right. And the human connections is the powerful part at the end of the day, we're all human. And at the end of the day, we're all working together. At the end of the day, teamwork is made up of people. Would you agree? Yep. I mean, it's funny because um, I had one of my first speeches when I moved to Barcelona. It was about H2H marketing, which is human to human marketing, because everybody was like B2B, B2C. Um, and I was like, guys, forget about that human to human, because at the end of the day, the decision maker is still a human. You're selling whatever, even from a business to a business, it's still a human on the other side. So we have to always remember that human connection and that, and that we're here to do better together. 
I, I absolutely love that. I just made a comment about B2B, B2C, and then H2H. I, th I think that's, that's so powerful. So let's take it away from the CEO. Let's, let's come down from the C-suite. Let's come down to mid-managers. What can mid-managers do? What should they be doing uh, if the company says we're going back to hybrid and they've got the policies, they've got their structures in place? What should mid-managers be doing today, even before this starts? A lot of folks are now saying they're going to start the new process um, hybrid come the first of the year. So we're into the fourth quarter. What do people? What what should managers be doing? It's more difficult for managers because they're right in the middle, right <laughs> on the top. They have the executive. Yeah, exactly. There, there are the sandwiches in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then they have this team that you know it's their team. Their team has to believe in them. They have to make sure that their team is performing at its best, but they're also happy. But also they're reaching the goals and so on. So it's it gets a little bit more difficult. But again, I think that. It starts by being that connection between the top and and the bottom, right? So if you're being sandwiched, try to flatten that. Bring that executive team sometimes to meet your team. Bring your team up to meet the executives. And this could be on calls, they could be on thing, but it could be on platforms. It could be also, all right, our, our executive team are saying these are our goals, okay? Uh, do we all agree? Okay, why don't you agree on these goals? Let me know your customer support. Why mm -hmm. don't you agree? Because we can't do that many tickets a day because we have a human connection with people. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Let me bring that to the executive team and let's re rephrase that goal. Let's re-check that goal again, right? Also, ask any team member if they have challenges and don't let that challenge stay in the team and bring that up as well. What do I mean? Um, you know, there is sometimes a customer support agent is fixing 100 times the same problem. Right. But this stays on the on the customer support team. It never goes up where the technical team, the product team could could hear about this challenge and say, hey, right. I could fix that in, in, in 10 minutes or in a day. I can fix that. Right. right. And they fix it. And then suddenly you're also getting collaboration between different departments. But managers are looking better because they're starting to communicate different departments together. Executive team is coming down saying, wow, you guys done a really great job here finding this problem, communicating to the other team and fixing that. So we should really start focusing on, on flattening hierarchies a little bit. You know, and that's, that's so true right there because a lot of the listeners of the Teamwork Advantage uh, are from either call centers we've got as well as uh, help desk professionals. And they've got a library that's really powerful on how to solve the problem. Yet if they haven't taken it back to the development team, then let's, let's get through there because we've got Teamwork is the help desk teamwork would be the development team, okay? I do believe the collaboration happens when the development and the operations work together. Mm -hmm. And Greg, I'd like to add something there, as, as, as you mentioned, since uh, most of the listeners are on customer support side of things, is if a ticket is created by a customer, you've already failed at what you're doing. Right. The customer should not have to create a ticket because everything should be available for them. Everything should run smooth. If they're creating a ticket to complain or to have a problem, we've already failed at our job. Even if our customer support is going to be incredible, they are incredible. Right. They're going to do everything they can. But especially where is my order? Where is my order? Now it's technologically so easily answered. Right. That should be on our phone. That should be on our emails. Whenever I don't even before I ask, you should update me about where is my order. 
right? So let's focus on that. We still have amazing customer support teams, mm -hmm. but they should really deal with more, again, human problems, right? right. Somebody had a product, but they're not feeling well about it, right? That's better because that can't be uh, fixed with just a website, but maybe somebody has to talk about that. Maybe they have to train somebody and say, hey, this is how you use our product, but that's okay, I'll show it to you, right? Mm. That's a better communication than saying, oh yeah, your order is blah, 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 right? That's a robot. Right, so, and that's what Amazon and is, uh, does very, very well, as does a company here in the United States, Costco, if you order online. Yep. You know, you, you're familiar with Costco, I'm sure, from living in Seattle. Yep. Um, but th those are the ones that address it before anything, before you can even ask the question. You know, and that's, I go back now to um, Steve Jobs creating something we didn't know we needed, mm. you know, if we do that. So the question starts to become, with our teams, how can we, what can team, we just talked about leaders, we've talked about executives, we've talked about the leaders, the mid-managers, what can team members start to do? Because managers, they are sandwiched, there's no doubt about it. Mid-level managers are sandwiched. What can team members do themselves? What can I do on my front line, whether I'm in a manufacturing plant, whether I'm on a call desk, whether I'm working on a sales team, regardless of where I am, what can I do today to really start to build so that we have the right culture in our organization that I don't want to say mimics because that's not the right word, but that uh, fuels the overall strategic plan. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I mean, hopefully your company has, has this allocation of time on training or so. If not, you should go ask for it. Um, and as a team member, what you can do is be curious about other team members. What do they do uh, in different departments, right? Try to understand everybody else's jobs because then you can help each other in a better way. Um, as a team member as well, I think I think don't join a company that you don't believe the mission anymore. I'm sorry to say that, but a lot of people, we work in, in, in companies that we don't believe in the mission or the vision or the values. Uh, I think the world has changed. There, There is a lot of jobs out there. This is why in the US you guys had so many people resigning because they're like, okay, there are other companies that we believe in that we can go for, right? So so if you don't have a mission, vision, value as a company, you're already failing, right? So as a team member, you know, make sure that you are somewhere that you're happy, right? Because if you're happy, you're going to perform the best. If yep. you perform the best, the company's going to love you. Uh, you're going to be great when you go back home, right? Uh, you know, your wife is going to love you. Your husband is going to love you, right? You're going to have a great time with your family, right? Um, these are important things that I think now, uh, more than ever, that we're going to start considering as, as team members. And, and um, you know, I say this without, without shame, but, you know, think about where you work. Make sure that you are where you want to be in life. Because, you know, um, if not, at some point, you're going to have an anxiety attack. You're going to burn, burn out. You're going to have some problem. I've had one. I've had myself, and that changed me a lot. So, so I really do recommend that for team members. Yeah, the old adage, of course, has always been, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. And that's way overused phrase, yet it is still so very true when we start to look at it. You, you said something I thought that was rather interesting. Because you talked about here in the U.S. and the Great Resignation, um, I was recently at a uh, major retail store, and I was frustrated because we couldn't get some things. They were slow and trying to process. And again, they were already had a problem. They had three people in that store who had called in sick that day or ca called out that day. And the manager says, "Why aren't you hiring more people?" And the manager says, "I'm trying." I can't hire anybody. Nobody wants to come work. 
the great resignation is there. I gathered from what you said that that's not necessarily the case in other parts of the world. Is that right? Uh, well, I think in Europe is much less, much less, because we uh, we've had in Europe a bit more of this understanding uh, of, as mentioned earlier, of family culture. Companies actually really uh, valuing our time with our families, right, um, and about healthcare, um, you know, and so on. So, so these are important. I think the U.S. Um, you know they're 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 a little bit delayed on on uh, on you know on those type of things um you know and i think this is changing big time even in the us right now because so many people has resigned right so companies now are thinking uh oh why is this happening right because we're overworking everybody we don't care about their health and we don't care about their mental health their emotional health right and we just want them work 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 make money right the american dream was amazing when i was younger when i went to seattle it was the american dream right that was 18 19 years ago i think right now that has gone a little bit greg i don't want to make enemies here on the podcast but i think, <laughs> I, I think that's gone if you, if today you told me to move there I'll, be, I'll reconsider i'll be like i have a child um i'm happy where i am because it's it's family first then business then money and so on mm -hmm. And I think that's starting to become more prevalent, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the belief of the organization. Are they uh, believing in the conservation of the co of the continent of the of the world of the globe? Uh, are they believing in all that? Do they have missions of, that support that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's really getting to be huge. What can an organization do? to, I mean, obviously the mission, vision, values, those are critical. I don't know too many organizations that don't have something along those lines. Uh, and I believe that the best organizations are bringing those to the forefront on a regular basis, having team meetings, huddle meetings, staff meetings, whatever. And they're talking about those. Uh, I can remember 20 years ago, uh, things like that. I, I brought up the mission, vision, and values on a slide one day and people had no idea what it was. And it was right in their own employee handbook. Okay, so I don't think that's as prevalent today. That being said, what can organizations really do to really get people understanding? How can they get their mission out there? Let's go back to your marketing. What can organizations do, even down to the team level, about getting people involved about something, of, uh, something that they care about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Projects. Right. Again, 100% of time is not to bring revenue to the company. You know, it could be 70% of the time, 20% training, 10% maybe as a company, as a team, we might work on certain projects that we care about. Let's go clean the beach if we have an office that is close to the beach side. Or if we're remote, let's, let's even make a challenge of whoever collects the most plastic from the beach is going to get a day extra holiday or is going to get a book or is going to get something, right? Or Amazon gift card, whatever you want. Let's start creating things where if our team members are believing in a cause, let's as a company support their cause as well, right? Let's, let's build this small team there. Let's give them space for that. Let's give them resources even to, to do what they believe in, right? Because if we do that as a company, we are already creating a better uh, uh, work environment. Right. And that work environment then starts to translate into a work culture. Absolutely. And you yeah. mentioned about mission, vision, values. Yes, a lot of companies has it. But Greg, you'd be, you'd be, I mean, I'm sure you know this. Everybody talks about it, but there is, they don't lead by example, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just a poster on the wall, 
right? right. We always had that on the office poster on the wall. Now with hybrid remote, it's not even on the wall anymore. Right. It's it's on a slide somewhere, as you mentioned, right. right? Let's live it. Let's lead by example. Let's let's make those steps to show that we are living that. And what I'm noticing is, regardless of the size of the company, whether we're talking 30, 40 employees to thousands of employees, those top companies, they know what their mission, vision, if nothing else, they know what their values are. And the organization lives by those values. Uh, the strength of so many people, top organizations, you can come up with them wherever you are. And if you talk about the culture that they happen to have, in other words, Southwest Airlines has always been a culture about having fun. Nordstrom's in the U.S. has always been a company that's been about serving the customer. Okay, Marriott Hotels, the same way the passion to serve. Uh, Google and, and uh, Intel, all about, about innovation. Those are the things that start to come about. And when you start to understand what the company's values are, as long as you believe in those values, then that gives you the strength. Am I, am I on the right path? That's yeah, absolutely correct, yes. Okay. So as we get ready to wrap things up here today, we look at teamwork, leadership, and culture. Um, what, what would you say are the, the top three things people should take away from this, regardless of the level in the organization, whether we have a CEO listening, whether we have a mid to senior manager listening, a frontline manager, or a frontline employee? What are a couple of things people should take away from this? I think communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in real estate, it's location, location, location. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. <laughs> communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, you know, be transparent, be honest, be vulnerable. Why? Um, you know, okay, I think wait, that... let, let's go back. I want to go back there. You said let's yeah. communicate, communicate, be transparent, and you use the V word. Yeah, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I want you to expand on that because listeners have heard me say it before, but I want you to talk about it there for a minute. What's the power behind being vulnerable? Well, it's that suddenly we can help each other because and also we put ourselves in your shoes suddenly suddenly we realize that we had that problem as well, that it's okay that we're all humans, we are not robots, right? And suddenly we communicate better. So yeah, being AI over, hasn't taken over yet. Yeah, not yet. And it's not gonna right because there exactly. are certain things that it can't do. It can't think outside the box because it's a box. Right. So, so let's not be scared about the box. Let's work with the box. But let's do the things that human we can do is proper communication, being vulnerable, helping each other, asking for help, right? And that's why I say vulnerable. Say, say, hey, I have a problem. I'm stuck here. I don't know how to do this, right? Okay, it's my job, but I'm, I don't know how to do it. If you show that, that means you really want to do well anyways, right? right. And you, you'll have a manager, you'll have a colleague that will help you do that. So I think those are really the most important things that, you know, that I would recommend. Absolutely. That's a great way to wrap things up. And I want to go back to one of the things that I thought was just fascinating with this particular uh, chat we had today is let's celebrate our failures. I, I think that is just amazing. I think it's absolutely amazing is letting that know. Tim, hopefully you'll get a chance to get to uh, the U.S., get a chance to go sailing here in Annapolis. I'd love to have you join us here. Come and, uh, you know, like I said, Annapolis is a great town. Lots of sailing here. Awesome. So. Love to come. Thank you so much for this time. Uh, Love to have you here. Folks, every week on the Teamwork Advantage, we share skills and ideas that you can act on immediately. And Tim Chucker has definitely given us several things here today. Until next week, remember, having a good day. Well, that's just being average. And when you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average. So go out and make today an excellent and exceptional week. Take care. Bye-bye.
This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.